purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin Monroe, and I'm your host here on the Higher Purpose Podcast. And it's a real joy, a treat for me to welcome you to this episode today. Whether this is your first time, whether you're a regular, However you found your way here today, I'm glad you're here and I'm grateful for this opportunity. So speaking of gratitude, if you know me, you know we begin episodes by talking about what are you grateful for? I love it when you listening, respond, email me, text me, tweet me and tell me what you're grateful for because it really is. It's about conversation. So what am I grateful for? I guess I'll use three C's today just came to mind. I had two, but the whole idea of conversation for me podcasting. I'm grateful for podcasting. It is a relationally rich medium. And so I love the conversations we have. I love the way you respond. And thank you for responding to episode 115. You know, there's a backstory to that. When I hit upload, okay, I record the episodes. I drop them into a Google Drive and the team starts publishing them. So a week ago, Tuesday, I'd recorded that episode. I was in Philadelphia. Wednesday morning, I woke up and I'm like, I'm not sure about that episode. And so I emailed Megan and said, hey, is it too late to change it? It's already produced. And I'm like, wow, that was fast. Fastest I think they've ever produced an episode. So I'm like, I'm going to go with it. But I love the way you responded. So thanks for responding. So conversation, community. I just enjoy the sense of community that we create in so many arenas, but through this podcast is one of them. And then the third, the third C, I'm grateful for connection. Now I'm going to talk about what's beyond connection, what connection leads to, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to connect. And so I also want to welcome, there are many of you who are new listeners to the podcast. June, man, I just enjoyed the interactions we had on LinkedIn as you stumbled upon the podcast somehow, and then let me know that you were glad to be here. So however you found your way here, thank you for listening today. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity into your life, your heart, your head, your mind. So today, I want to have another one-on-one conversation, and I want to talk to you about something I know to be true about you. You might be wondering, well, how does he know that's true about me? And is it really true about me? Well, I believe it's true about you because I believe it's true about all of us. And I want to invite you into a conversation, okay? This is not a rant. It's not a catch-up conversation. And I certainly hope it's not pontification. And while it may seem like a monologue, because, right, I'm the one doing the talking, at least on the podcast— I hope you hear it as an invitation into a dialogue, a conversation. And this is an extremely important and relevant conversation because the stakes are high. And for all of us, the stakes are high right now. So here's what I want to talk about. We have a longing for belonging. It's how you and I are made, created. Belonging is baked into our DNA. So let me ask this and give you the backstory to why we're having this conversation today. Do you ever, have you ever heard yourself say something? And as you do, you pause and wonder, 
where did that come from? I'm not really sure I'd ever thought that before, said that before, or really was consciously aware that I, air quotes around, knew that before. So I had one experience. It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, the day I'm recording this, I was in London and had the pleasure and privilege of speaking at the Humans First Gathering there with some friends, Mike Vacanti, Claude Silver, Gary Turner, and a couple of others. We were there, and I was the first of the presenting members to speak that night. And I spoke about belonging. Now, if you've ever heard me speak, you know I use a lot of images and very few words on the slides. As a matter of fact, I just remembered I had the deck from London, and I opened it just now to see what was actually on the slides, because I remember saying something, and it wasn't on a slide in text. So here's what I said. We have a longing for belonging, but too often we settle for connection. Now, What does that mean to you? I'd love to know. We're wired for belonging means we have a desire. We all have this desire to be seen, accepted, valued, and loved for who we are, not what we have to become to earn approval or acceptance, but just who we are. Now, connection. We have this longing for belonging. We're wired for belonging, but so many of us settle for connection. So think about it. Think about where you've been on your journey today. In this presentation, I showed two images that I'd found. Uh, One of them was from a subway stop in Japan, and everyone, and I think of the last time I was through the airport, you know, everyone is in the monk position. Their heads down, hands up looking like they're praying, but what they're really doing is they're engaged in their phone. They're glued to the screen of their phone and most likely dialed in or connected into some air quotes around social network, you know, some place where they are connected to an air quote around friends, whatever that social media network is. Now, here's what amazes me. When I look at these pictures or when I think through my experience, people on trains, people on planes, people waiting wherever they are waiting, coffee shops, bus stops, subway stations, train stations, wherever it is, people are glued to their phones. They're surrounded by other people that they could actually engage in a conversation with. And instead, they've settled for this new belief of we're connected. So I'm not against connection. I have dozens, hundreds, thousands of friends on various social media platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. But the number of people that I actually know and have had the opportunity to sit down in deep, rich conversation is just a fraction of those friends. So we have people that are connected to literally thousands of friends, yet loneliness has reached epidemic levels. And loneliness exists not because people aren't connected, because they may be socially connected, but they lack a sense of belonging. Loneliness, get this, loneliness is a greater health risk than obesity. Obesity brings a 30% risk of dying early. Contrast that to loneliness, the risk is increased by 50%. I'll share a couple of links in the show notes to some reports on belonging. 
But I want to open a conversation, a dialogue with you about belonging. And I say open because I hope this is the start, that it's the beginning of the conversation. It's certainly not the end. Now, I am not a researcher, and I don't pretend to be qualified as a researcher. However, like you, I am a qualified searcher. And what you may have heard me say last week, I've now entered or completed six decades of experience searching for belonging and observing others doing the same. So those six decades of searching have certainly qualified me as an observer. So I'm not here to dig into clinical studies, although I may reference a couple. Maybe someone will join us sometime soon and we'll have some of those conversations. But I want to share observations and I want to engage you in conversation here in this podcast and beyond. So what led to those comments? I stumbled on this study by Baumeister and Leary that said much of what human beings do is done in the service of belonging. Now think about that. I ask you to just ponder that a moment. How much of what you have done, where you've attempted to connect and plug into, how much of that is done in the service of belonging? So look at yourself, look around at others, perhaps even invite people into a conversation and just begin to explore what is it that we do in service of belonging? That's kind of going to tee it up. So here are some things. I'm going to talk about kind of four points, I think. I'm going to talk about the beauty of belonging, the barriers to belonging, the battle for belonging, and finally, the birthright of belonging. So that's where we're going. Let's get started. The beauty of belonging. There truly is beauty in belonging. So I want to invite you to pause for a moment. Think of your best experience of belonging. Maybe it's something recent. Maybe you have to go back a ways. But where is the place? And who are the people? (laughs) And what is the smell? Seriously, I imagine that for many of you, like me, there is a pleasant aroma you associate with a place of belonging. So what are the elements or ingredients of that place of deep belonging for you. Just pause. Maybe you push pause and think about this for a moment. I'll share a couple. In our family, we have what we called granny hugs. My mom, our kids, the grandkids called her granny. My mom was barely five foot tall. So she was this short little spunky woman. And we still laugh about this to this day. She's been gone 11 years now. But we think about granny hugs because when you walked in the door, so being about five foot tall, she normally grabbed me right about around the waist and just squeezed so tight. That was a sense of belonging. And there were always baked goods. When I talk about the smell, there was always our son Josh knew there would always be a pecan pie, a fresh baked pecan pie. And then there were other things. My mom would make cheese straws because she knew our daughter Lindsay loved cheese straws. Well, we all did, but there was a favorite of Lindsay. So there were always these smells. There were favorite meals. Maybe they're favorite meals you have at that place of belonging. Maybe there are rituals that you share in those places where you feel deeply that sense of belonging. Maybe they're stories you tell. Maybe they're stories you hear And in some of our families, we hear them over and over. 
That was the way it was with my dad. But you know what? I laughed every time. So let that soak in. Where is that place of belonging? What are the memories for you? And even as I ask that, I realize, and this touches my heart deeply, I realize that some of you may not have those memories. And if you don't have those memories, I do know you have longings for those memories. So to me, it's that place, that place, the best experience of belonging is a place where there are no credentials required. There's not an ID check at the door. It's just a place where you belong. Robert Frost put it like this when he was describing home, and I hope you have a home like this, one of those beautiful places of belonging. Home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in, is what Robert Frost said. And again, I realize not everyone has a family home like that. But again, I think we all long for one, a place where we simply belong, a place where we don't have to strive to belong. Now, hey, please know, I am not saying these are perfect places. There are a lot of these places where there is still stress and there's strife. But beyond the stress and the strife, there is a sense of belonging. And it kind of brings back this question that Brene Brown asked. Do you really believe that people are doing the best they can with what they have? I don't know. I've been on both sides of that through the years, but I really believe that most of us are doing the best we can with where we are now with what we have. So this whole idea of beauty and belonging, the psalmist David described it. He declared, I think this comes from Psalm 133, how beautiful it is when or where God's people live, dwell together in unity and harmony. He went on to say, there the blessing of God is bestowed. So belonging is a place of beauty. Now, buckle up. Here's a thought that hit me as I was on my morning walk yesterday pondering these ideas. Belonging is beautiful, granted. But many of us, many of you have been sold a lie that says belonging is beautiful, but only the beautiful belong. Let me say that again. Belonging is beautiful, but only the beautiful belong. And it gets worse because it gets told and sold as only the beautiful belong with the implied message that you and me are not beautiful enough to belong. I'll say more about that when I talk about the battle for belonging. But if you believe there is a criteria of beauty for belonging and you don't belong because you don't measure up, Wow, I'm going to tell you, when I hear talk like that, my BS meter is about to break. It is so far over. Nothing, I mean nothing, is further from the truth that only the beautiful belong and you are not beautiful enough to belong. So that leads me to ask, what are the barriers to our belonging? And at the same time, it also leads me to ask, what does it take for us to create a place where people belong, where people are loved, accepted, and welcomed? Well, we'll get there in a moment. So I want to talk about this, the barriers to belonging. What are the barriers? And hey, 
I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to say in one way, I am one of the most unlikely candidates to be talking about this and to be talking about the barriers to belonging. Why? Because I'm a straight white male whom many of you would consider to be an insider. I remember in grad school when I first heard the phrase white privilege, I thought, what? Because I've never felt privileged in my life. But I recognize there is truth to the fact that growing up in the West, in the United States of America, in the era that I did, just the simple fact that I was born, didn't choose to be born, I was born a white male, came with all kinds of privilege that I didn't even recognize as privilege. Because see, I've lived most of my life feeling like an outsider and often And I now have come to realize just way too often asking the question, do I belong? And the companion question, do I belong here? So while I may not be the best qualified to host a conversation about belonging and barriers to belonging, at least I'm willing. So let's go into this. Back in March, I started hosting weekly conversations. We call them Humans First Hangouts. And it was actually last week's Friday, October 4th, Lindsay's birthday, our daughter's birthday. I was hosting a Humans First Hangout, and we were talking on this topic of belonging. We split into smaller groups so we could go deeper into the topic. And in the small group I joined, that this whole idea of personal barriers to belonging came up. So there are numerous barriers to our belonging. I'm going to post a report from the UK that talks about this, a report done by the Red Cross that's fascinating, talking about the economic, social, institutional, prejudicial barriers to belonging. And I believe all of those are real. But I believe perhaps the biggest barrier for most of us is the personal one. It's the narrative that is always or almost running in your mind that's telling you you don't belong. And then it arms you and equips you with all of the reasons why. And this was the conversation that we had. I didn't ask permission to call names, so I won't call names. I probably could, but you know who you are. We started talking about how many times do we armor up before going into a place where we're new and is new to us. And we're not sure what we will find there. So rather than going in looking for belonging, we go in looking to not belong. We go in looking for resistance, looking for rejection. And here's the truth, is that we, more often than not, we see what we're looking for. Anais Nin, you've heard me say it before, Anais Nin, we don't see the world as it is, we see it as we are. And when we are armored up, expecting to meet resistance, confirmation bias kicks in and assures us that we find what we look for. So we see resistance, we see rejection, when maybe the people are really pretty nice people. And they're willing to accept. So, wow, there's so many other barriers to belonging. There's social barriers. I think of a time, and the mobility and diversity of our culture today 
has changed this, but it wasn't that long ago when most people were surrounded by people just like them. But because of mobility and diversity, we live in more multicultural environments and communities than ever, and many people aren't embracing that. And then there are institutional barriers. We'll save those for a later conversation. I don't want to go into those today. But I do want to ask, what are the barriers to belonging that you have experienced? Maybe you'll share those with me. The next point that I kind of want to talk about is this battle for belonging. And the point I want to make here is that this battle is funded with billions of dollars to prevent you and me from feeling we belong. Remember that line I said that belonging is beautiful, but only the beautiful belong? Well, here's where the billion-dollar battle comes in. It's that subtle line that says, and we can help you be beautiful. If you only buy our fill-in-the-blank, if you only drive our fill-in-the-blank, and most recently, if you only join our or use our app social media network, the latest, greatest, coolest, most exclusive gathering. Hey, join us and become one of us. (laughs) Well, That's part of the battle for belonging. So here are some of the myths that you can buy belonging. And if you can buy belonging, and many people do, and I think this is why I have always resisted the idea of private clubs, exclusive membership organizations, you know, like country clubs or other social clubs that we have here in the States. I don't know what it's like where you live, but here in the States, there are many of these membership only, and they are expensive memberships so that only people like us can gather here, designed to preserve and protect the status quo. But if you can buy belonging, what happens when you can no longer afford to belong? That's right. Then you're booted out. Now, in many other places, the battle for belonging is what's called a meritocracy. Many organizations, companies have constructed meritocracies where belonging is earned, and you belong based on your level of performance or attainment. Where that is the norm, and I've worked in organizations like those and thought it was pretty cool to be in that elite circle at the top, but what happens when you fail to perform? Suddenly, you're ostracized and alienated, and your belonging is revoked. Then there are other circles. And this is where belonging is based on a shared set of beliefs. And I've been in organizations like that. In many of those organizations, you're frequently tested to make sure that your beliefs are still orthodox to their beliefs. And I'm not talking solely religious organizations. It could be, but I'm thinking of some other organizations that were kind of thought circles or think tanks. If you waver in your belief and you cease to be orthodox to what they believe is orthodox, you're booted. Huh. Wow. Not a lot of belonging happening there. Then there are other circles where belonging is seen as a matter of behavior. As long as you follow our rules, our code of conduct, we accept you and you fit in. But just like a meritocracy, anytime there's deviant behavior, your belonging is revoked. So what if, once again, I'm shimmying out on a skinny limb, what if real belonging 
is not based on any of these things. What if belonging is not something you buy? It's not something you earn. It's not something you believe your way into. It's not something you behave your way into. What if belonging is a birthright? Yeah, that's a pause to let that sink in. And I'm not going to call it a pregnant pause or an awkward pause because I've learned from my friend Oscar Trimboli pauses are needed. So just let that soak in a moment. You belong simply and solely because you were born. Now, the ancients had a Latin phrase that many of the ancient philosophers and theologians use called the Imago Dei, the image of God. It's a doctrine common to Jews, Christians, and Muslims, a belief that you and me are created in the image of God. Now, I'm not seeking to wax philosophical or theological here, but we are talking about a topic that, from an ontological standpoint, is both philosophical and theological. But let me simplify. What if we belong, you belong, solely because you were born? You and me are part of the human race, and that in and of itself establishes our birthright of belonging. So if we accept that, then belonging is not something we bestow on others. But we can recognize that everyone belongs, and then we can stop erecting artificial barriers and entrance exams that do more to keep people out than let them in. So if we can't bestow belonging, back to this whole idea of personal, that there are a lot of personal barriers, I, I'm pondering now. I don't know if I can make anyone else feel a sense of belonging. I can do things that prohibit it. I can do things that invite it, but I can't really make you feel you belong. So what can we do? I'd love to know your ideas, but here's what comes to my mind. We can create environments that welcome people. We can extend a welcome. We can create environments where people are welcome. It's what I call opening the doors, lowering the walls. Stop checking IDs. Stop creating arbitrary admission tests. What do I mean an arbitrary admission test? You know, I am so over having to be introduced by your bio and people wanting to check your academic credentials and all of the letters. I kind of laugh and some of you, I don't want to step on toes, but when I link some of you in a post on LinkedIn, I have to back out because you have more letters after your name than you have in your name. And I can't help but wonder if that is not in the service of belonging, that quote I used earlier, is not all of our searching for credentials, for certifications, is not that done in the service of belonging? Hoping that when I get this next degree, when I get this next credential, I will finally find a group of people who accept me because I have arrived? Hey, folks, I love what my friend Tracy Fenton said in our conversation. And I'll link it in the show notes. Don't remember what one it is now. But one day she was sitting in an office in D.C., looked up, saw a city bus pass, and there was some bank sign on it and said, you were born pre-approved. Folks, you and I were born accepted. 
You and I were born acceptable. So let's create environments. Let's stop arbitrary and artificial barriers that reinforce the idea that people don't belong. Like I said, I can't necessarily make you believe you belong, but I can stop reinforcing all of those barriers that you've experienced at other places that say you don't belong. So what can we do? Here's some simple things that came out in this conversation or in other conversations, things I just know, things I learned in the small town I grew up in, in the living room or the kitchen table of my family home. Look people in the eyes. Smile at people. You know, when people talk about what happens at the Humans First Hangout, and we'll include a link here, we meet every Friday at noon Eastern time. My friend Gary Turner is hosting, launching one that starts Monday, October 14th. So it will actually start before this podcast airs. But we have one every Friday, noon Eastern time, one Monday, noon. British summertime is the current time zone, noon. Join one of those. And when we do that, Look how many people are smiling. So look people in the eyes, smile, shake hands, hug necks. One of my personal favorites, call people by name. We all have names. We love it when we hear our name calls. You can be in a busy room. You hear your name called, your ears perk up. Guarantee it. (laughs) They may not be calling you, but you hear your name called, your ears perk up. See people. See people people and let them know they see you. Quick story. Last Friday, I was in this affluent Buckhead Church, part of Atlanta, and I do a session there for nonprofit groups, done it for 10 years, but it's held at this affluent church. And I walked in and there's a lot of flurry of activity that day. And there was Teresa, who is one of the air quote custodians. They have some other name for them there. But I come walking up the steps, dragging my bag, my briefcase, and I look across, and across the way is Teresa, and she looks up, she says, good morning, and I say good morning, but she doesn't hear me, and she said it again with a wee bit of attitude, good morning. I said, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't hear me? I said good morning. I walked over, looked her in the eyes, and do what I do. I said, may I give you a hug, and just hugged her. I said, I see you, and she said, most people don't. Folks, that's heartbreaking. You and me have the opportunity every day to see people, and maybe we can't help them belong, but we can welcome them and create an environment. So go out of your way. As my friend Chris Chancy put it in episode 114 when he was quoting a mentor, let your table be filled with people not like you. So go out of your way to welcome someone not like you. And look for someone not like you and engage them in a conversation about belonging. Now, please don't hear me as being against connections and connecting. Just don't stop at connection. Move beyond it. Find belonging because you and I have that longing for belonging. And when we find belonging, and as C.S. Lewis put it, we may not find ultimate belonging here because C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite quotes from C.S. said, If I find in myself longings that nothing on this earth will satisfy, then maybe I was born for another world. But while we're here, let's create hospitable environments 
that welcome people and allow people to experience belonging. Hey, let's continue the conversation. You can email me, Kevin, at higherpurposepodcast.com. You can call me, and I love it when you do. And my phone's been ringing in the last week. Call me at 678-744-5111. Hey, until we connect again, I want to invite and encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose and belonging. Do you have a high-stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out, or stymied, and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team in purpose, and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com.